You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. Many life lessons come from our very own parents, mentors, and friends. But author James Barron, his life lessons came from the greatest businessman he ever knew, and that was his father. In his latest book, The Biggest Short Guy, he talks about how his father had no desire to be powerful, yet impacted so many people. I've invited James to join us today to give us the steps of success that he learned in his life lessons from his father. Jim, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Hey, it's an honor to be here. As my father would have said, it's an act of rest, reckless courage on your part to invite me well, we're, to we'll, your show. Well, we're going to thank Stephanie Paul right out of the gate. Oh, it's Stephanie Paul. I uh, thank her very much. She's my uh, coach. I'm kind of new to this, and uh, and she's a bundle of energy. And if you if you write a book, uh, one thing you're going to want to do is promote it, and you're going to need someone to kind of give you that path and stephanie's fantastic she, she's, ho- ho- hopefully i won't embarrass her too bad on your show well, let's see how that goes can you tell me i think i might know based on the uh, conversation we had off mic as well as the intro that i read but what was the inspiration for taking the time and making the commitment to write this book um the r- original inspiration for the book was that every night my dad was away from my mother for 22 years he would write her a letter by hand and uh these weren't uh, your typical letters. My father was a very deep guy, and they were not only the expressions of his love for her, but they were reflections on, on life, uh, what's going on in society, and, and even God. He was a very religious man. Okay. And uh, uh, he would write these letters by hand, and your audience might be too young, but back in the 60s and 70s, there were uh, uh, stationery at hotels. Anyway, grab stationeries, postcards, whatever, uh-huh. take them back to his office. Secretaries would type them up. And uh, put them in book, and my mother would get all the letters from the prior year on her birthday. Oh wow! And there's thousands of these letters, and they are amazing. Wow! So your dad did travel frequently. It uh, like. uh, ab- absolutely a lot. He was at one point in time he traveled 220 nights. He was Ooh, gone. That's rough. Yeah. Was he a rock star? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wish I, w- I would. I, w- I wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. He must have been a business. Uh, he, he, he worked. He was an accountant. He, uh, okay. he worked for what is now EY. Mm-hmm. Back then it was Ernst and Ernst. Sure. And in uh, Cleveland, which then was the home office, he was partner in charge of client relations. Okay. And so that sent him out. all over the place. Right. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Uh, so the book is the biggest short guy. What is the meaning behind that title? Um, the inspiration for that title, uh, when you're looking for a title. Uh, my father was president of the L.A. Chamber in 1981, and uh, they had an event with the L.A. Lakers, and there's a picture of him oh and God. Magic Johnson. I've got a book. If yeah, you it's on look the cover, at it. isn't it? Yeah, it's on the cover. Uh-huh. And so we were debating titles, and I looked at that, and I said, that's got to be on the cover, <laughs> and that's got to be the title. And my dad would have looked at that picture, and he said, well, that's an average because of his height and Johnson's <laughs> right, height. Right, you put the two together. But you... I wanted to make a point to your listeners. Please. One of the most important points is that one of the greatest life lessons is that someone you care about or someone who's important to you to take the time to sit down and write a letter by hand. Because the universe that we live in, we have all kinds of new communication, but we're more disconnected than ever. If you want to connect to someone, if you want to put a piece of you down on a piece of paper, write a letter by hand. It will have the most dramatic impact you can possibly imagine. 
It's interesting you say that because uh, for those of you watching us on the OC Talk Radio Facebook live page, I'm holding up a handwritten letter that I received from a recent guest. I actually have a folder in my office where I put all these. You get so few of them, right? And I want to keep them. I put them in that folder, and sometimes I go back and look at them. But just the way that I feel about this person for taking the time rather than shoot i get a lot of emails which i appreciate unbelievable but this says to me something about the person that's good they made the commitment so good advice jim you've already out of the gate you've already given us something what was it walter gave it to you okay you're channeling your inner walter (laughs) yeah okay well um what makes your father from your perspective the greatest business leader you ever knew you know he wasn't just the greatest business leader i ever knew he was the greatest person I ever met. And I've had the honor to work for two presidents. I've met some incredible people in this world. But he really redefined greatness for me in a holistic sense. Okay. It wasn't that he was just a good business leader. It wasn't that he was an incredible civic leader. It wasn't that he loved his wife dearly and did these crazy things and writing these letters. Uh, I, I think the really word that defines my father is love. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes from a background of the little town he was born in Texas. His father, when he was 18 months old, murdered his brother-in-law Jeez. and almost killed my grandmother with a shotgun. Uh, he was in World War II. Uh, he was on a troop ship headed for what would later be called the Battle of the Bulls, got torpedoed, went down with the ship, uh, when the few to come out of the water alive. I think all these incredible experiences he had really gave him an appreciation for his fellow human being. And, uh, and he really taught me that, that everyone has value. Uh-huh. And if if you think the billionaire is more important than the shoeshine kid, you, you're missing the value in the individual. Oh. And you, you mentioned he was president of the L.A. Chamber of Commerce, and you also mentioned Texas. So just a thumbnail. Uh, a What's thumbnail. going on here? Uh, he was born in Texas. Okay. little town called The Grove. You wouldn't hear of it, but it's between Waco and Temple. Okay. Um, and uh, grew up there, picked cotton as a kid, raised by the town, basically, because his father was institutionalized when he was one and a half. His mother didn't get out of the hospital for a couple of years. Uh, amazing story. was raised by the daughter of the murdered father-in-law. Whoa. And um, uh, anyway, uh, went, into, went into the Army like every other young guy did. Right, right. Um, said, hey, don't worry. You won't uh, see battle for a couple of years. Next thing they know, they're in England. Next thing they know, they're in the English Channel. Next thing he knows, right. he's, uh, he wakes up in a French hospital screaming for his mother. Wow. Um, survived the war. Uh, on the GI Bill, uh, went to Baylor University, and then uh, became a, an accountant with what is then Ernst & Ernst, uh-huh. and ended up in San Antonio, and then as a, he became a partner, moved to Cleveland, his home office, Okay. and then uh, in 1971, uh, the partner out here passed away, and uh, they said, Walter, we want you to run the West Coast, and, and he went, he ran the West Coast, and, and he did amazing things. He started the healthcare practice, the first healthcare practice in a in the CPA universe, mm-hmm. and uh, and he was truly one of the civic leaders in Los Angeles. Off mic, we were talking about how a mutual friend of ours ran into a business person who had a relationship with your father. It seems like your dad had touched many different people throughout his life. Yeah, he, uh, he really did. Uh, like I said, my father has an energy level that I certainly don't have, and maybe when you pick cotton as a kid, everything else in life is easy. Uh, okay. But... Uh, um, well, that's a teachable moment. Uh, the, a great story. Um, my dad, I, I worked in the Reagan administration, tried to make it short. 
uh, got a phone call from the secretary's office, said, we want to put your dad on the president's export council, send us his, his bio, send him the bio, goes over to the White House. One day my phone rings, it's some guy in the White House personnel, says, are you Jim Barron? Yes. Is Walter your father? Yes. He goes, I've got his uh, bio in front of me. I go, okay. And he says, it's all BS. Oh, my God. And I said, oh, really? Why is that? And he says, because no human being could do this much stuff at one time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, I'm, uh, the reason I'm not in the diplomatic corps, I said, well, why don't you pick your butt off your chair and walk down the hallway because I knew who he worked for uh-huh. and ask him. And about an hour later, my phone rings back and it says, hey, I'm, I'm really sorry. Well, I see resumes all the time. And when I see stuff like this, it's always BS. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you work for the president. Next time you pick up the phone, you damn well better know what you're talking about. And I hung up on him. Mm. So, uh, but, I mean, it really, uh, it's just, the stuff he did was, it's just incredible within the community itself. Okay. And business itself, too. So we only have about uh, 30 seconds left for this segment of the Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. So I wanted to ask you, how long did your father live? Uh, he passed away in 07. He was 81 years old 81? when he passed away. And your mom? Um, she passed away a year ago. She was 88. Okay. So um, they had amazing lives. Uh, and there was a love story. There truly was. It was yeah, a love story for the age. Yeah, here, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. They, he met, when he met my mother, she was already engaged to another guy. Oh! Baylor. <laughs> And that's, where, and that's where she got her nickname for life. He said, What's you that? sure are speedy. And everybody knew my mother is speedy. So. That's classic. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you don't want to go anywhere because we're going to continue the conversation with James Jim Barron. His book, Biggest Short Guy, is what we're talking about, which is really about his father. I'm gonna, When we come back, I'm going to ask you if you have any advice for those people who may want to write a book and how to successfully get it written and into the marketplace. Can we talk about that? Sure. All right. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back after this word from me. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. This is episode number 1035. All of our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have been guests on our show. You know, since we started this show in 2009, we've reached several hundred thousand listeners through the live stream here on octalkradio.net, the podcast, the live channel on YouTube, and other channels. Simply type in these four words in your favorite podcasting software, critical mass radio show and you'll automatically get our weekly shows with great guests like james Barron. and we're talking about his book biggest short guy before the break i said i wanted to give you a chance to offer any sage advice to our audience uh, about maybe if they want to write a book you know how to successfully do it and get it into the market jim the publishing industry and i'm not an expert at it but even the last five years has changed dramatically uh, if you want to do it on the cheap uh, if you're willing to write it yourself, edit yourself, go on to Amazon, you can write an ebook and it will cost you virtually nothing. What will happen with your book? Virtually nothing. Okay. Um, but uh, 
I think the first point about a book is it's not going to make you rich. If you think you're going to get Hillary Clinton's $20 million signing bonus, it's just not going to happen, all right? But what it does do, it provides an incredible platform for you, for whatever you're representing, Uh whatever you're selling, and that's where it's going to separate you from your competition. And uh, so uh, you you need to have in mind what you want to achieve with your book. What is the purpose for writing it? You need a budget, just like any other business plan. There's many companies out there. The company I used was called Zulon. It's a, it's part of a big media company. To They have a package that you can buy, different packages. There's a bunch of them out there. I kind of went a weird route. I, I hired a writer. We wrote it. Um, I worked with another writer because I was having trouble with my writer. Uh-uh. Uh, then I bought a publishing packages with Zulon. But I ran across a company that I would highly recommend, particularly to business people okay. out there. It's in uh, Pasadena. It's called Best Seller Publishing. And they will do everything for you. They will actually write it for you. Mm. They will edit it for you. Uh, they will market it for you with the, uh, trying with the success of it becoming a bestseller. Right. Now, Amazon has thousands of bestseller catalogs, but it doesn't matter. When you tell people you're a best-selling author, <laughs> they listen. They're impressed. Yeah, right, they are. Okay? They give you credibility and, for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, it, it's like I said, it's a tremendous vehicle for that, and you can go on the Internet and create funnels that okay. direct people to you. So that oh. that's that's the beauty of a book. Bestseller publishing. Bestseller publishing. Right. The guy's name is Rob Kosberg. You can find him on uh, Facebook and and uh, and. His story is absolutely interesting how he got into it himself. Okay, well. So he wasn't always in the publishing have, author business. I'll have to have him on the radio show and uh, yeah, talk he about it. Absolutely that. would be fantastic. Maybe you could introduce me to him. I'd be happy That's to. That's how we get guests I, here on Critical Actually, I gave him a heads so. up and said, hey, I'm going to be on this show. He today. might be listening so today. He probably put it out to his, his awesome. uh, universe. All out right, there. well, let's hope that happens. That's how we gain our audience and reach more people. All right, so let's talk about the kind of the what I think might be the heart of the IP, the intellectual property, the knowledge transfer. And that is. What does this, in, in the tease, I said, I'm going to ask you to talk about the, the steps of success, S-U-C-C-E-S-S. And could you share with us what that acronym stands for, Jim? Well, the S is uh, strong relationships. And uh, I separate relationships from contacts. Everybody today wants to know how many contacts you have. Uh, contacts are worthless unless you've got billions of them and then you're a marketing right. play. Relationships are or, or you want to build them. And relationships takes time. They take commitments. And uh, they take tending to. Um, and there's a great old story, if you read the book, about the little old French lady my dad met in World War II. Like I said, there's so many fabulous stories about my dad's life. But People anyway, love stories, too. Yeah, it's a great um, way to teach. Um, I said it. So it's my favorite story with the little old French lady. Of okay. all the stories, it's my okay. favorite one. That's the other thing is... Uh, Understanding nothing is impossible. Again, I mentioned to you, my dad, 18 months old, his father murdered, his brother-in-law almost killed uh, my grandmother, his wife, brought up by other people in the middle of the Depression, by the way. In Texas. Yeah, in Texas, cotton patch nowhere. And, uh, you know, survived World War II multiple times. And uh, and he would say that you need to, uh, that nothing is impossible. But nothing is impossible. In order to really attain that, you need to believe in something bigger than yourself. Yes. If you don't believe in something bigger than yourself, it opens you to all kinds of ethical compromises, and then you become endured with yourself, and that's a losing proposition. That is, which usually reveals itself at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, the other thing is communication, and as I said there, the best thing in the world, write somebody you care about a letter by hand. And uh, it, it actually is amazing the transformative effect that can have. Wow. Um, 
uh, confidence. Uh, I said uh, reckless courage. You need to have some every once in a while. Right. And, and, you, and you have to believe in the stuff you're selling. You know, right. if, if you don't believe in, in what you're doing, you're sure as hell not going to have any confidence about it. <laughs> you laugh, but it's so many people. No, I'm doing it because right. it's a buck. Right. Uh, but it's is it worth doing? Okay. Um, the other thing is the support system. And my father would say, uh, find the right person to share your foxhole with. Um, and young kids don't know what foxholes is. It's not a, a, a sexual connotation term. It's a, what a an infantry man digs a hole to survive in. And he has someone in that foxhole with him, and his life depends on that individual. Right. So if you're going to go through life, you damn well better make sure you pick the right person to share your foxhole with. Amen. And for him, that was his mother. And the last thing is service. And uh, he gave speeches around the country on ethics. And uh, one of the things in that, he's, he quoted his quote, and he quoted Shelley, and he said, you know, our compassion must be less institutional and more personal. For if we are to retain and foster the American fabric necessary for a productive society, we must, as Shelley said, put ourselves in the place of another, and the pains and pleasure of our species must be our own. Wow. So, like I said, he, he was a very deep-thoughted individual. Those are true words in today's environment, right? Nothing's changed. I read his speech that's in the Library of Congress on ethics uh-huh. and just change the company names and the individual names. Right. You know. Yeah. Well, it's funny how... People who aren't students of history, they think what we're going through now is like never happened before, and all you have to do is read a history book, and you realize while the period piece may be different, a lot of the fundamentals are. Right? Unfortunately, it's frightening. It almost is. Yeah, we're sort of in this loop, right? Just kind of, yeah, Groundhog Day all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Without Bill Murray. Yeah. So one of the listeners asked me to ask you. You mentioned working in for Reagan. Yes, sir. What did you What did you do for him? Um, well, you know, your typical political appointee, which I was one. Uh, has, keeps a job for 18 months before they move to another one. Okay. And so uh, my first job was in Department of Commerce International Trade. My my uh, second job was uh, a White House uh, public law that we worked on with the White House and uh, involving small business, by the way. Oh, good. And uh, then I was number three at the infamous GSA. And uh, sure. um, my responsibility, you know, if I, if I had been there at the time Oklahoma City blew up, my responsibility would have been to find those places find people a place to, to work, a new office building, all okay. that kind of stuff. Okay. GSA is largely a, a uh, real estate entity for the government. It's a, a how, it, it's an office, right? You know, and supplies. But right. We, we dealt with procurement them. arm, right? Yeah, uh, procurement arm. We dealt with building buildings, and mm-hmm. everybody loves a building. Everybody wants a building. Was it good experience? You know, would you recommend it? I would recommend that if you are a young person I am coming not. out of college. I know. <laughs> okay, it would be the greatest experience in your life. Is you don't need a job, you don't need an offer. Just go to Washington, start walking the hallways, you'll get a job, okay? And, uh, Are they keen on that? Just people walking the halls? You know, <laughs> uh, you know, I've written a screenplay. This process, yeah. uh, out of the process, I worked with a writer, and, and he did Save by the Bell, and he loved my idea for a screenplay. We wrote it. So if your listeners have $10 million and want to be in the movie business, we have a screenplay. You never know who's listening, yeah, yeah, right? It's hilarious as, you, as I'll get out. But, right. uh, but that is a fantastic experience. Okay. For myself either get addicted to it or you get sick of it. Right. And, and, you know, I think President Reagan was a unique personality. He was a guy I wanted to work for. No reflection on President Bush Sr. Uh, I, I wasn't one of his guys. Okay. And I was just, I was tired of people stabbing me behind the back and I don't even know who they are. Right. right. Yeah. That's and, you know, and plus I'm very weather adverse. Okay. So. Yes. Know, <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. If you've ever been a summer in D.C., uh, mm. you, you know that. 
L.A. is pretty nice. Yeah, uh, humidity, et cetera. So um, final question. Uh, uh, well, second to last question because I'm going to ask you how people can find your book. But what did you learn either about your dad or about the whole idea of writing the book? What did you learn about finding success or these elements of success that you kind of didn't know, Jim, before you started on this project? You know, I found out that uh, success is different things to different people, even for myself. Um, what I thought was going to be successful versus what I feel is successful now is, is different than wow. where I started. And also when I was at one stage in my life, I thought, wow, I'm really successful. And now it's a different def- de- definition of success. Yes. So uh, I find out that success is a, is a transient term for mm-hmm. an individual. And uh, I think... Uh, you have to get to know yourself, and, and you can define your own success. Well, if I had had the engineer ready to ring the gong, I would have gonged that because my audience knows when they hear the gong sound to go back and listen to it. So just pre- there you go. See, Johnny on the spot. How about that? So there you go. For those of you that were listening uh, as a podcast, you know you can rewind 30 seconds and pick up what Jim just answered. Um, before I ask you how people can buy your book and learn more about it, I've got to say it appears to me you did an honor to your father by this project by writing this book the honors i i was the luckiest guy in the world like i said i literally think my dad just happened to be the greatest person i ever met he happened to be my dad right and you know you get older in life and as you look at it you go wow right you kept what an amazing guy right unfortunately yeah when kids are younger they don't always appreciate what they have as parents until later in life but that's awesome so Hopefully people want to get your book. Where would you direct them to go online? Well, like anything else in the world, Amazon has everything. Of course. Uh, you can buy it directly from a publisher, Zulon. You buy 20,000 hardbook copies. I'll be on New York Times bestseller list. Um, <laughs> okay, that's the challenge, <laughs> audience. Uh, so, you know, Amazon would, would be the place, or uh, go online to Zulon. Uh-huh. So one of those two places. How do you spell Zulon? X-U-L-O-N. Give that again, too. X-U-L-O-N. Well, this has been a kick in the pants. Good. In a good way. Well, I appreciate it. I'm, I, I hope I didn't embarrass you, and I, I hope my dad's not up there shaking his head going. I think he's proud. Okay, well, I appreciate well, that And thank much. you to Stephanie Paul again for, for introducing us and bringing you to the show. Uh, thanks for being a friend of the program, and welcome to the Critical Mass community. Thank you so much. It's an honor. It's been an honor to have you on the show. I'd also like to thank our engineer for today, Paul, Ar- Paul Roberts, the gong man. We have three producers. They are Joan Park. Crystal Nunley and Haley Stern. I'd like to thank all of them. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, try Twitter. CEO Peer Groups is my Twitter handle. On LinkedIn and YouTube, I am Richard Franzi, F R A N Z I. On my Facebook page or website, you can find us under Critical Mass for F O R Business.com. And until our next show, which if you're listening to the live stream will be in about 10 minutes or less, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.